do from the bar. I am, as always, your sparkling host or co-host, rather, Ife. Hi, everyone. My name is Olamide. He's your sparkling co-host as well. I'm not yes. sparkling. I'm a ghost sparkling, really. <laughs> like your, your today, personality, your sparkling. Today, today's topic is really getting me gingered, you know. <laughs> so, guys, why does nobody want to do litigation, right? Nobody wants to go to court. Ask court for hours, and it's hot, and there's nowhere to sit. And you're doing this for a case that's not going to go anywhere for years and years and years. Well, you, you start the case as a youth copper. <laughs> and you end it as an essay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we hear about cases that are in court for five years, for 10 years, for 25 years. I heard about one yesterday for 25 years. No exaggeration. So that's what we're here to talk about today. You know, there's a famous phrase that says, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah. You know, the thing really is that the delay, in fact, is denial. Because in the cause of the delay, you've essentially lost the essence of justice. Sometimes the parties are dead. Uh, there's so many other things that would have happened in the course of the delay. So that's all Lamde and I are really here to do. You know, this episode is for our litigators. Last episode was a love letter to our creatives. This episode is a love letter to our fellow litigators. You know, what are the things that just grind our gears? Like the things that just Bro, make litigation exhausting. You, you know, you it's not only exhausting for the counsel, it's exhausting for the litigant. Even the judges sometimes are tired. A judge <laughs> Exhausted is... for the judges. <laughs> no, there's nothing I love more than a judge, or rather, there's nothing a judge loves more than being able to blame counsel. Never get when counsel caused delay. We're going to get into that. And the judge is like, Are you people will be saying it's us? Like, it was that causing delay. Judges uh, love or the, that. Or the, or the judge says, Ah, this is a 2006 matter. What ah, is he yeah, still doing on my docket? my docket. <laughs> 2006. In fact, guys, Court of Appeal has cases from the 80s. Oh. They've been giving uh, dates for their matters before 2000 so anyway like i said this is really this is olamide and i's i think our favorite episode this is just our third episode because we're just going to be talking from the hearts and then at the end we're going to have small bass boots because from, from where this is going to be our really? first disagreement of the episode there's something we disagree about and we want you people to actually win please 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 we actually want interaction like we might even do like a twitter poll or something like are you yes. team if you're team olamide on this issue because it's we think it's a hot-spotting one, but we'll get to it. So, delay, right? What are the things that cause delay? What are the reasons why your matter isn't going to move for three years, four years, five years? And, well, and to those people who <laughs> always tell me, when I tell them I'm going to court and they tell me, I hope you won or I hope you <laughs> win. This is why I don't win the day I go to court. <laughs> so, what's the first one? Well, I mean, you know, we're from the bar, but we also have to give a shout-out to our members of the bench as well. And sometimes what causes delays when judges don't sit. Now, there's a variety of reasons why judges don't sit. You know, maybe you're the admin judge and you just have administrative duties. This happens a lot, actually, with admin judges, unfortunately. You hear, ah, my lord is in Washington, D.C. My lord is in Abuja. My lord is down the road for a different event. Or, I mean, judges are people, too. They could take ill. They could want a little vacation. And also, judges need time to write their rulings and their judgments out as well. But a major reason that causes delay is you get there, you have your date. It's January, you get a date for July. July 13th comes, you go to court, and my lord is not sitting. You know, you know what even gets, um, what makes it worse is there are sometimes the court, the court will not be sitting and the registrars had this information beforehand. Oh, God. They have the number of counsel 
on the processes you know the processes coming up because i've seen the way registrars um, arrange processes so they arrange files in cabinet based off the dates so all you need to do is bring out all the um, files for that day adjourn the matter and inform counsel although there's a particular court in the federal high court that does this now they have a group chat for all the counsel. Yes, and yes. They, I think upload. that definitely that's one of the issues, right? Because it's also about how you handle the delay. So I think we just haven't embraced technology in litigation. And I think we should definitely do an episode about that. Yeah. So you know my lord is not sitting on. It's not that my lord told you at 8 a.m. You've known this. Maybe the matter is on Monday. You've known this since Thursday afternoon. And you don't tell me. And I've left Abuja now. I got on the first flight from Abuja on a Monday morning. I get because I'm panting. I've actually had counsel almost rack with registrars. It happens this, a lot of times. That I came from Abuja. You people didn't even tell us, etc., etc. And I think that then takes And I us, called you on mm-hmm. Friday. The counsel will even tell. I called on Friday. <laughs> to ask if and you did not pick up sit. my calls. I sent a text. You did not. Although I understand that registrars to have a lot that they're dealing yes, with. Yes, I actually can... always say that we should be giving registrars work phones and credits because registrars actually call a lot and also receive calls a lot as well. But I think that, you know, judges not sitting and how that can be handled then takes us to another thing that causes delay, which is a more encompassing thing that we're just going to call administrative lapses. Yeah. So, for instance, you have um, a situation where you you're meant to report service and yes the belief are served but he hasn't put the affidavit of service in the court's file and you're wondering why did you not do this 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 is this should ordinarily come after you served once you serve you have to depose to an affidavit of service and put it in the court's file so that's one right but then what happens if you're the one who served and you get there maybe you didn't do an affidavit of service and you want to proceed to hear your motion because they're not around you serve them but you didn't do an affidavit and the court says well i'm not proceeding without an affidavit of service adjournment yeah or your matter came up in january the other side wasn't there the court said you know we adjourn it to march we'll send a hearing notice you get there in march the courts do not send the hearing notice adjournment so another two months lost another two months lost but then what is even making it that you yeah, are giving me three months, two months, five months adjournments? Well, it's overcrowded court lists. The docket are overcrowded. I can, uh, I can recall I was in court one of these days and the judge actually, because the counsel had complained that the judge was not um, treating the matter with um, Seriousness? Enough, uh, yeah, enough speed. And the judge said, I have about 780 matters on my docket. There's no way I can go faster than this. And to be honest, it's actually very unfair. Because people sometimes would clog the cause list or the docket with unnecessary suits and abandon those suits. But those suits still have to be heard. As a judge, I cannot say that, oh, this suit, nobody has appeared for this suit in two, uh, at the last two sittings. So I would not take it seriously or I wouldn't put it on my cause list. You put it on the, your cause list. The worst you can do is strike it out after three times and no one has appeared. But um, you put it on your cause list and nobody still comes. You can't put other matters that would ordinarily proceed on your cause list. And there's also, in fact, as well, the structural and institutional deficiencies that cause delay. And I think that would actually also fall under administrative lapses. Like, my favorite one, they're not being light. Which I think goes hand in hand with my lord is not sitting. You get there, 
and there's no light. The generator is not working. We're not going to sit because there's no light. Or oh, your court started sitting at 9 a.m. It's now noon. They take lights. My Lord says, well, that's it for the day. You know, and just like that, another three months. You know, this thing just made me remember my very funny experience. So I had to go to Ibadan sometimes last week for a matter. I left Lagos. I called, we called the registrar the day before. <laughs> registrar told us, oh, the court will sit. I went to Ibadan. I had to pay a cab to take me to Ibadan. I slept over at Ibadan. I went to court in the morning. I had filed. I was ready to move the application only for the registrars to tell me that, oh, because there is no light and they don't have diesel, my Lord has said she will not sit. So I went to Ibadan, all the way to Ibadan for nothing. I had to come back to Lagos that day. I had already incurred costs in the hundreds of thousands going to Ibadan. And you tell me the court is not going to sit. Now we've spoken about, you know, the contribution that um, are honored and respected uh, the court members system of you know, of the bench and just the court system in general and the institutional deficiencies add to delay. But what about counsel themselves? Remember the analogy I gave the first time where time and time again, judges will actually say, you know, it is you counsel that cause delays and you blame it on us because yes, obviously, you know, the court is an easy target because of the overburdened cause list and all that. But sometimes counsel are the ones that cause problems. Counsel don't appear or counsel just ask for needless adjournments. Um, well, yeah, you know, I agree with you further. Counter are the ones who even cause this, these problems. But also, I feel like the judges to have to get to that stage where they start awarding very heavy costs punitive. and punitive costs against counter that what um, that intentionally truncate proceedings or do not, yeah, truncate proceedings because it, 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 it's really unfair that you've brought me to court and you're now bringing me in court and you use it as leverage because you know for corporates and we work for corporates quite a lot these lawsuits appear in their books and sometimes they even book them as losses in anticipation because of the claims and the claims are very they are they are they are claims that would not be sustained in court so they use these needless adjournments and the lawsuit to pressure you into a settlement so I think court, the courts need to start awarding very heavy cost against counter. If you truncate proceedings and you come to court and um, you, you just want to take an adjournment for something that was entirely your fault and the fault of no one else, it, you should actually bear the cost of the day. And what do I mean by cost of the day? Cost of of the opposing counter. Now it is fuel and uh, hotel. No, not only my fuel <laughs> and hotel. That, that one was the court. But in another instance, I, I'm talking about cost. So if we were to hear an application, I would have put in hours that you bill to the client for preparing for the hearing of that application. I would have spent um, or expended transport cost to court. All those costs you would have to repay those costs because really you have made me to waste the proceedings or my preparation for that day because of something that was needless. And one of the other things that we count to ask for adjournments, I mean, needless adjournments rather, you get to court now, the other side is saying, ah, sorry, lead counsel is not here. Or the other side is saying, ah, sorry, I was just recently briefed. I need an adjournment. Or counsel filed something the day before the matter was supposed to come up. I'm sorry, if you're filing your counter, to which I have a right of reply, 
the day before the matter is supposed to come up. You and you've had three months, four months, six months. You and I both know the matter is not going to go on. So exactly. these are the things. Or you come to court and you are saying we are settling for six sittings. You have been settling for six sittings, which might be one calendar year, if not more. I mean, these are the things that contribute to delay. These are the reasons why, as Alamide says, I didn't win my case the first day I went. You overcrowd. The thing is, essentially, like you first said, it's counsel that causes it. You now overcrowd the docket and you put the judges under pressure. It's it's not it really. I think counsel um, delay on counsel's part should really be treated with a lot more seriousness by the courts than they are being treated now because. If they don't, some people ordinarily say that, oh, uh, these ones, I just want to frustrate them. Like, they tell you that they're going to frustrate you and they actually, and they actually frustrate, frustrate you. you. And I think that continuing on about counsel, you know, and counsel's contribution to delay would be interlocutory applications. And specifically, I'm talking about preliminary objections and appeals well specifically interlocutory appeals i think regular appeals by regular appeals i mean appeals of judgments are also a form of delay but it's more you're not allowing me to enjoy the fruit of my successful judgment you know talking about interlocutory applications i'll tell you what if i did to me this oh week my Korea. god yes so, actually last episode i said i was going to start every episode by asking olamide what happened to him in court so since he already wants to cast me that's why I did ask him because I knew he was going to cast me. Olamide, please, how was your week in court? So this was what Ife did to me, and this was how my week went. Dramatic. Um, Ife had told me that one of our seniors was appearing in a matter, and I should take the file to him because she was not in the same court. So I, I take the file to court. I'm looking for this <laughs> senior. I didn't see him. Well, I put his name on the um, cause list, or as some people call it, the bar list. And I call him and he's like, ah, okay, uh, I have a meeting for so-so and so time. You might have to take this application. In my head, I'm like, what? If I didn't tell me that I would, this would even come up at all. See, the worst really part just is if I'd known there was a chance of taking the application, I would have actually gone myself. Actually, in fact, all I thought I was in court, I wasn't in court. I was in my house. I had told my senior that I just needed a court break. It's actually sometimes can be very like physically exhausting going to court every single day. So I'd asked him, I said, you know what, since he's already going to court regardless, can I just be ex- excused from having to go as a junior? And then I'd asked Olamide to please help me take the file to court since and he was I in the same court as read, the senior. I ended up reading the file. You know, I it, it was... <laughs> I had to go through the entire file and apparently there was even an interlocutory appeal in the matter. There was an interlocutory application. I think it was an application for stay. And mm-hmm. that was the application that was... Um, ripe for hearing. I'll tell you it was ripe for hearing, although it didn't go on eventually and the senior still came. But and personally I don't see why the application did not go on that day. Because it was in the Federal High Court. Council came. <coughs> Sorry. Council came and said, Oh, they have a right of reply. And I've checked the Federal High Court rules. Your right of reply in the Federal High Court is not as of right. You actually need to seek leave and if you don't do that before the proceedings or file an application to that effect before the proceedings the proceedings are actually or the application would be ripe for hearing in that instance and that's what we say about delay now the proceedings have been delayed have been delayed till after vacation 
Yeah, so that's what happened to Alamni. That was not my fault. That was situation. You know, as a litigator, you have to be quick, quick on your toes. But funny enough, what happened to me this week in court, or rather, I guess last week since yeah. um, this comes out on a Sunday, and Sunday is the beginning of a new week, it's kind of something similar to Olamide's, but or rather a near miss. So I was supposed to be in two courts, the National Industrial Court in Ikoi and the Tax Appeal Tribunal in Ikeja. My matter at the Tax Appeal Tribunal, otherwise known as the TAT, was not going on. So it was just for me to go show my face and get a date again, you know, delay. Why was it not going on? Well, council had written us a letter that they hadn't filed yet, so they wouldn't be appearing. So we're just going to get a date. My matter at the NICN, that's the National Industrial Court, was just supposed to come up for a ruling. So I realized this conflict like the day before. Let's say I was supposed to go, actually, this sounds really bad, but I think I realized it the day of, the morning of at like 8 a.m. So I checked to see who wasn't in court, and I saw that um, one of my juniors wasn't in court. Yes, I know even as baby lawyers, we have juniors as well. Can you imagine? So I realized that one of my juniors wasn't in court. So my plan, obviously, was to ask her to go to the Ikoyi court because our office is in Ikoyi, and I just didn't think it was right to ask someone last minute at 7 a.m., that they should start going to Ikeja. So I had called her, I said, you know, should please go to the Ikoi court, I'd explained everything. Then I called my senior, funny enough, the same senior in this story that Olamide is telling. And I told him, I said, oh, I just want to let you know that um, this matter in Ikoi, which is our matter we're handling, which is coming up for ruling, that I have asked this junior to go. Now, he didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but I could tell that he wasn't a big fan of the idea. So because I already know that, you know, I'd kind of, well, I'm not the one that put us in the bind. The, um, <laughs> the situation of litigation is what put us in that situation, double situation. But I still asked him, I said, okay, if he's not too comfortable with the idea, I can ask her to go to Ikeja. So that one is definitely just for a date. He said, yes, he'd prefer that. So I called her, I said, please, 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 I owe you lunch. Please start making your way to Ikeja. She went to Ikeja, no problem there. And I'll go for this, my ruling in aggressive quotes. Please tell me why not only was the ruling not ready, but actually what the judge wanted us to do was add on braids, basically take arguments. So the general context was, it was a matter that was before a new judge because the judge had been transferred. And in fact, that's actually another cause of delay when judges get transferred. And your matter has to either start from the beginning or you're spending a lot of time catching you know, the judge up. So instead of you know, giving the ruling, he was supposed to rule on whether or not he wanted to hear the preliminary objections before trial, or whether or not he wanted us to you know, just defer our arguments to written address. He said he would think it over and rule. Instead, that's how he started asking us questions about our preliminary objections. You know, why have you filed? Why didn't you file it to find a written address? What happened in the other case? Because it was on the basis of um, estoppel. So he was saying, okay, what happened in the other cases? What's the similarity? As this was all going on. Well, first of all, I was very excited because, again, sometimes courts can be very mundane. So it's always nice when you get to flex your um, legal chops. But secondly, I was just thinking, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. That I did not send this poor young girl to come to court for a ruling <laughs> for not only a matter she didn't know, but a matter I had not even given her the file for. No, that's the worst thing that ever happened <laughs> to you. You know, all those times you, you go to court and they tell you, ah, please, the matter is just coming up for mention. And you, you get to court and you say, oh yeah, where's your witness? <laughs> <laughs> 
And they're wondering, oh my god, please, we please, I have to tell the story because I swear, I just thought, wow, this was, I was at the NIC and I know a lot of things are happening at the NIC and this was maybe early COVID days, right? And so a matter was called up, it was not my matter, you know, the guy got up, Clement's counsel, he said, you know, they had newly been briefed the week before and they wanted to get a date. The judge said, no, and the matter is set for trial and the matter is going to go on for trial today. So the guy now said, ah, my lord, you know, we were just brief, so, 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 ka, ka, ka. Then the court now read him the entire procedural history of the matter, showing that time and time and time again, the claimants had delayed at every turn. And the court said, we are going on with this trial today, or we are striking this matter out. The guy even said, my lord, I'm not, I'm not with the file, and I'm not the lead counsel. The court said, I can stand down the matter for 30 minutes for you to read the, the file of opposing counsel but we're going on for with um with trial so and no this must have actually been the defendant's lawyer that said all of this because it was supposed to come up for cross-examination of the claimant's witness and that's how they went off for trial my lord stood around for 30 minutes a guy went to go and read file and just like that and the court actually asked him how many years post call are you i think he said it was five or six years post call i mean i just thought god imagine if this was me you know, I think every junior would be able to relate with the fact that the times they send you to court for something <laughs> very mundane and you get to court. It's not they, mundane. And they tell you that uh, the very life and the heart of this issue is what we are contending <laughs> today. Like how one <laughs> of our are, friends. They're so confused. One of our friends told us last week that he went to court and he had, so he had been the one to go to court the day before, the time before, and he knew the matter was coming for mention. He had come back, told everybody, you know, it's for mention. So he gets there now on the days for mention. He sees senior advocates and <laughs> senior, in fact, sorry, two senior advocates. And obviously they are juniors making, there were about five people for yeah. the opposing side. And it was the August only word for mention. August said he started to sweat. And I'm not going to mention who the senior advocate was, but it was like the godfather of senior advocates. <laughs> so he started to sweat that, ah, maybe no be mentioned. No. Unfortunately for him, we called the seniors in the office. And nobody they, was Nobody speaking. answered his call. He now went to the registrar and said, ah, what's this matter coming up for? The registrar said, mention. Sure. said, okay. Then opposing counsel now called you know our friend over obviously our friend is the one that went over there as you know being called over by two learned essays then the learned essay now said ah you know we want to proceed we just have an application you know it's nothing nothing big my friend said ah i've entered it today. <laughs> eventually he was able to reach you know his senior and the matter didn't go on but that's just to show that see if there's any advice we can give and i think that also we should be giving one practical piece of advice again not legal advice for lawyers out there is don't go to any matter without knowing reading the file. Read the file. Even and that is why it's good to get to court early. When you get to court early, just open the file. Even if it's just the statement. If you get of caught claim, early, like if yes. Just read the statement of claim. At least, at least no one would be able to run circles around you. And always talk to the person that went to court last. If not, <laughs> I don't pity you. So yeah, so what causes delay, right? We've gone over, you know. The contribution of the courts to that, the contribution of counsel, and part of that contribution is interlocutory application, people filing needless and nonsense appeals, 
people filing needless and nonsense interlocutory appeals. Although this is where Olamide and I disagree. Olamide said he doesn't think preliminary objections are a delay tactic. They are not. I said a lot of times they are a delay tactic. No, yeah, some people use them as delay exactly. tactics. But if your suit is faulty on a preliminary basis, let's 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 um, or if your suit is faulty, why not? I, why don't I just? appeal to the court to dismiss it on a plane if it's a delay tactic i mean if for example now you are a defendant and you're talking about improper service and you've been served to be fair though i see i see your point because obviously if there's a basis for a preliminary objection then you know that means that there is a right there's a technical or a legal right a procedural or substantive right but that does not change the intention behind the preliminary objection. What you're talking about here is intent, right? The intent being as a delay tactic. And the fact that people do use preliminary objections as no, a delay I, tactic. No, I don't disagree with that. But I would not target as something that causes yeah. delay per se. I would definitely target as something that... Because it's part of also what's overcrowding our well, court yeah. system as well. The, me and if I started disagreeing, we are still getting there. <laughs> then the second one, obviously, is interlocutory appeals. Appealing over the smallest, dumbest thing. Again, like in the first episode, I mentioned about how someone was appealing um, the judge's um, transfer of the suits from one court to another court. Just needless, unnecessary appeals. Yeah, there's some there's some appeals I feel like, or interlocutory appeals that I feel like you can wait till the end of the suit for instance the judge strikes down a piece of evidence or refuses to admit one even after you've addressed the court i think you can include that in your ruling and proceed with trial yes because the truth is if the judge refused to rely on that piece of evidence and goes on you um he probably in your opinion and why you would be appealing is that this decision you would reach a decision that would be contrary or adverse to your to whatever your case is in which case you can always ventilate after he has even given his final ruling so why preempt let him do it but i know that there are other considerations this is not me giving free legal advice this is just how i think <laughs> is this a new tagline or lambda this is not free legal advice no, no 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 i'm just saying like it's just me thinking logically now on certain things on the way i feel like certain things can be done Okay, so guys, apparently this is a new tagline. We're not giving free legal advice because at this point we say multiple times an episode. So should this be like a new short game? Like every time if you're on a lime, they say we're not giving free legal advice. Take a shot. Although this is not me also saying you people should be drinking. No, I'm actually personally teetotal, but that's a different story. So appeals, preliminary objections, you know, things that cause overcrowded docket. But the one that if you and I refused. <laughs> To agree on the yeah. fight of the day, and so, which is an interlocutory in an, an interlocutory application actually is extension of time. Drum roll, please. I so, know it doesn't sound exciting, no, but trust me. Just when you break it down, so if I was going to tell you our position, the correct position, the position of the law and of ninety nine percent of lawyers and judges. Okay, and I'll tell you what my own position is. The wrong I'm radical sure opinion. That's the position you would agree with. So yeah, if I. Why are you biasing the people? I'm not. I'm, you, you said yours was the correct position. I just told them they would agree with me. <laughs> In accordance with 99% of... Okay. All right. So we're going to break this down, extension of time, in a very simplistic manner. And 
um, for those of you that are lawyers, because you want you okay, okay, we'll get to the point, get to the point. No, the litigation guys, you guys, <laughs> this is where we need you people. No, now. we actually need everybody in litigation to open both of your ears and please, please, because we genuinely, genuinely want to know you know, who is right. Like, every time I see somebody I know that is a lawyer, I pull them in and say, this is this argument Olamide and I having, who do you agree with? So we actually want to know. So I'm going to go first because my side is the standard side. You know, the status quo. Is the nonsense <laughs> so many people do as far as I'm concerned. My side is the status quo. So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to explain. So um, you file a process, right? And you file it out of time. Let's use, I think an, the example we've been using and you'll understand why is appellant's brief, so appeals. You file your appellant brief out of time. So I believe the rules here, and Olamde, please, if I say any, if I um, reference any date incorrectly, please let me know. Or even our listeners out there, you know, I'm not looking at the rules right now, I'm speaking from the heart. So you file your appellant's brief 45 days after you transmit your records, right? Yeah. So let's say 45 days after transmission of records is 1st of May. Let me make it easy for myself. But you don't file the appellant's brief until the 3rd of May, meaning you're out of time. By two days. Yeah, out of time. Now, you file your appellant's brief on the 3rd of May and you serve your appellant's brief on, let's say, the 4th of May, for practicality's sake. Although, to be fair, Court of Appeal serves, so you're not supposed to serve yourself. They serve, so it probably won't be the next day. But if you're lucky, maybe they serve on the 4th of May. Now, the rules say that you're supposed to file your respondent's brief 30 days after service of the appellant's brief. So let's Correct. say 30 days of, after service of the appellant's brief is, and please nobody go with my math here. Let's say 30 days after the appellant's brief is 1st of June. Let's just say that for... Oh, no. Okay, let's for just say 5th of June. 5th of June for a complete... Okay, yes. Okay, I said 4th of May, right? So 5th of June for completeness sake. Now... When you served me on the 4th of May, you had filed two days out of time. You probably also served me your motion for extension of time as well. And you probably included a deeming order in your motion for extension of time. And you so, filed an, uh, an affidavit of compliance that says you've paid default yes, fees. Yes, that says you've paid default fees. Now, obviously, we all know that you could file just your motion for extension of time as is. And then, you know, get your relief for extension of time granted and then file your process. But generally for expedience and practicality sake. And in every- fact, you'll be incurring more default, <laughs> default costs. No, actually, I... Th- oh, you, no, no, time, sorry. Time, so time stops... Stop- Time, time stops, stops to run when you file. Yes, time stop, stop, stops running when you... When you open. file the actual process. Yes. So, you know, you you file at the same time. You serve it. So, really, you're just looking for the court to deem everything you've done as proper. Now, let's say Court of Appeal gave us a date for January 2023, right? So, what's going to happen on January 2023 is we're going to hear that your application, your motion for extension of time. Now, you've served me on the 5th of fifth of June. You've served me an irregular process. No, you, I served on the 4th of May. Mm-hmm. You're meant to file by 5th of June. 4th of May, yeah. You're supposed to, to file, serve, um, file by, by the 5th of, of June. June. You've served me an irregular process. So, the crux of Olamide and I's argument, which I've now got into, is when does your time actually start to run when you are served with a process that has been filed out of time? Timmy Fair says that in accordance with the rules, your time starts to run when that process is regularized. So either when it's regularized or when the relief for extension of time has been granted, whichever way it is, if there's a deeming order or not a deeming order. Olamide says 
that and i will let him set out his own argument but just for submission purposes so that you know it's clean and easy to follow alamde says that it starts to run your time from when you are served so even though the process was two days out of time it is on that 5th of june that your 30 days started to run now I think I will let Olamide set out his argument a little bit because I think the the issues will come out in the back and forth. So Olamide, please tell the people why you are correct. And I know Olamide allowed me to talk, but please don't don't you guys shouldn't judge me if I if I cut Olamide off because this you know, is position. The first, the first point in itself is inherently flawed. Ah, yeah. The, is that the, how I started my own? <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let's really get to it. The rules and the strict interpretation of the rules, and everyone understands that um, statutes are to be interpreted by their clear meaning, clear dictionary meaning. If the statute says that you should file a process after service, the statute has said nothing about regularizing. In fact, my own opinion is that the only penalty or the only punishment for filing out of time, as stated in the rules, is the payment of penalty. If I've shown you that I've paid penalty or I've shown the court that I've paid penalty, why exactly are you filing after I regularized my process? You're meant to file after I have served you like the rule actually does say. I don't know. I don't, the thing is, I don't even know where it is, is getting uh, that. Again, guys, this is not how I spoke about Lamideo. May I spoke about my opposition? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fling mud on opposing counsel. I'm not flinging mud. I'm just, I'm just very surprised. So what I'm saying, right, and I think what I really want people to understand so that they understand that I am right and Olamide is wrong is that Olamide is not saying, you know, he's not trying to talk about, say, oh, his point of view is what is obtainable in practice or his point of view is what ought to be the case. He's saying that on the interpretation of the rules, service starts to run once you are served, even if you are served with a process that has been filed out of time. And the reason why I say that cannot be the case and is not the case is for this simple reason. The rules have said you're supposed to file something within X amount of X amount of time. You file it out of that period of time. It is an irregular process. It is not properly before the court. You have done what you should not do. You then decide, obviously, you've done your motion for extension of time, you know, asking for permission to file and deeming and everything. You now come and serve me. First of all, I already even in good faith collected your process clearly from Olamide's point of view if Olamide opens a chamber and is filing out of time I'll just not collect service because Olamide is saying the problem is that you were served okay yes I took it but at the end of the day it's an irregular process fine I'll be rejecting service but so okay you have served me but you cannot and this is why I said when we had this argument we had this argument like two times before actually least recording <laughs> at least two times <laughs> is you cannot build something on nothing you cannot have an irregular process, a process that has been wrongly filed, a process that you are taking your own two legs to go and do what the courts, what the rules say you should not do. You have X amount of time to do something. You have not done it. On what grounds or what basis have you filed? Okay. Okay, so uh, let, let, let me even start by saying or continue by saying the fact that I've done something wrong does not mean the law would, should allow you to do something that is wrong too. Well, it's not wrong. No, no. It, hold on, if I... I, I I have filed my process out of time. The law prescribes a, penal, a penalty for me, mm-hmm. and I've paid the penalty. I, you have a duty to file. You have paid the, the penalty, yes, but you have not been permitted wait, by the court yet on, to file. Okay. 
um, you have also you, you you've um, what's it called? You're mandated to file after service. So now th- these are the issues involved, really. Aside from the delay part, it confers on you an um, extreme um, unfair, extremely unfair advantage. And let me, let me just give you a typical scenario that everyone would actually relate with. So we'll go with the briefs. Well, everyone meaning our federal litigators, yeah, yes. If, you, if you're in litigation, it's something you relate with. So Court of Appeal doesn't even give get, dates that easily. Let's start with the fact that I filed after 47 days when I should have filed after 45 days. You now wait for almost a year or almost eight months to file your process you've had my process in your custody for almost eight months you did not file and you now come to court and say that oh i have not regularized regularized my process i started wasting the time of the court because if you had filed your own process too within that period and i had responded what we would just be going to court to do that is regularize my process that was initially filed out of time and we conclude the appeal, we hear the appeal that day, and the next time we are coming back is for the judgment. You now wait till that hearing date. So the wait, thing wait, is... Wait, now, let me finish. You wait till that hearing date, which is almost eight months after. You let me regularize my process. You now say your own time is counting from that date. Bear in mind that the Court of Appeal might adjourn for another six months. So we are coming back in, let's say, June to hear... Uh, the appeal as the court of appeal would have adjourned for you don't now file your own process until a day before the proceedings maybe on let's say second june you file on the first of june so you've had an unfair advantage of almost a year or more than a year in fact to file your process you pay penalty and i'm forced at that date to take an adjournment for another let's say six months we are coming back again in january and i file my reply and that is when we can now hear the appeal You've, aside wasting time, you've conferred or the practice as it is, because I don't agree that that is the position of the law, but the practice as it is now has conferred an unfair advantage on you, or you, you have conferred an, an unfair advantage on yourself by practicing that way. Because the rules are clear, they're, they're, they're plain. After service, it doesn't say anything after regularization. The only punishment for filing out of time, as far as I know, is the payment of default fees and not you holding off on serving your process or giving the other side the the um, levity to file their process after a year. So I don't know. I don't know where first point really is standing on. They say you can't put not something on nothing. So someone has done something wrong. You also want to do something wrong. I I. I don't, I don't know where if I was guessing that, that idea from. Yes, that's how people have been practicing, but in my opinion, that's the wrong way to practice. I said, let me wait for Olamide to stop talking. Before people will say that, I'm bullying Olamide, and I don't let him talk. Olamide, may I proceed? You may proceed. I don't even know if I remember my point again. After Olamide has taken like 10 minutes to bias the people. But the point that I'm making, and I like how Olamide took shots at my something or nothing, is this. Olamide argues, and that's the point that he just finished discussing, that, you know, it causes, you know, this kind of practice of believing that or your time running from when when an extension of time is granted, it causes delay, it's an unfair advantage, 
I agree. Hundred thousand percent agree. If what Olamide was here saying is that this practice in the rules of um, of service not starting until it's regular until a until you know regularization until extension of time being granted is wrong, it causes delay and it's not obtainable in practice and it's not even done in practice. I would be on his side. I would be on his team. You know, anything to cut down delay, except when it works in our favor, of course. You can imagine. <laughs> but what Olamide is saying is that on a clear interpretation of the rules, your time starts running even when you are served and regular process. And it is that is the hill I shall die on this metaphorically. Because... He is not saying, talking about what's obtainable in practice. He's not saying what ought to be. He's saying it is what it is. And it is that nuance that I'm catching him on, which is saying, I'm saying that is not what it is. It is clear from those, okay, yes, no, see, I believe that it's very important to be able to accept and point out the flaws of your own argument to, because if you can't even accept an objective flaw, then nobody can even see you as reasonable. So I agree that the rules say, you know, filing after after thank service. God, thank God you agree at least. <sighs> I even agree that the rules do not define service. Although I'm sure that there's case law that defines service, I I but the rules don't define what service is. I'm sorry if I'm interrupting, but I don't think there's okay. anything... CEO, you people, CEO! Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that says that um, filing out of time makes your process incompetent or even the interpretation of rules as the courts have even said it non-compliance with the rules they are not um, what's it called they will not act in a way to nullify the action or so see that's fine but I'm not saying it's nullifying your action but what I'm saying is the process you're filing what I'm saying is that to say that I should file my counter when you or my respondents before whatever it is when your process is still out of time or rather let's say my reply because you wouldn't be filing a counter to to a motion because generally obviously your motions like your motion to strike out and all of that are independent there's no time within which to do those but you can't say that um filing my respondents brief when your appellant brief you haven't you've done what you're not supposed to right but you have decided to take it upon yourself to still file anyway hey i'm gonna try my luck you filed an application for extension of time, asking for permission and asking for a deeming order. That is not granted as a matter of course. Yes, 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 before Lamine jumps in, I recognize that 99.9% of the time, they are granted. In fact, in what, three years of baby lawyering, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've seen one rejected, if, if even at all. You know, what I would even argue is that rejecting or refusing my application for extension of time Personally, I feel like it's a breach of your Section 36 rights. I think that that argument can be made, but I don't think that it's 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 a matter of course. Wait, it's definitely the, the penalty. Objection. You've collected my penalty. Definitely a You've collected the penalty rights. that I paid now. So what, what are you... I've actually always wondered about that. If they, please, if this has happened to anybody, please let us know. If they reject your application for extension of time, did they return your default money? They, they can't because <laughs> you've collected money. No, now, it's like when you buy something and you go and refund it. Just go to registry and say, they rejected my application. Please, refund my money. Where's your POS? And because the process in, in itself is not going in in that case. 
So yeah. there's nothing to extend time for. So, but the point I'm making is, I feel like Olavne's argument treats extension of time as though it's a matter of course, as though it's just an administrative letter or an ex parte application. You know, you can object to an application for extension of time, right? You can write a counter. I have done that before. In fact, I've done that more times than... See, if you're one of those people that actually cause delay... Please, Olavne is PO king. Preliminary objection king. I'm not a PO king. I'm just saying that. Look at look at Ife. He's under now. the tutelage of PO king, so... I beg. <laughs> <laughs> so, like there's a PO king in the making. But the point I am simply making is, you can counter an extension of time. It is not a matter of course. The court can reject it. And the fact that the court rejects it means, I cannot build on what has not even, does not exist. You want me to build a house where there's no foundation? I should build my house in the sky. In the clouds. You know, see, I, I still do not agree with what Ife is saying. I, I, I never agreed in the first place. Not like she's convinced me now. But, yeah, I I, I don't think... I, I don't agree with Ife's point of view. I personally feel like it, uh, it's been a clear misrepresentation and misinterpretation of what the law is. Um, and so we should... We, we it's Yes, it's been the practice, but it's not the right thing. Although I, I would um, venture um, an opinion as to how this can actually be resolved. So personally, it was, it was something I just thought about because of the numerous arguments I've had with Ife. Why don't okay. we have a... Numerous. Why, why don't we have a process where um, as a party, when I file my process out of time and I file my extension of time to, that file is set aside and all the other processes, like every process that has an extension of time application is set aside by the registrars. The judicial registrar and the court or the judicial assistant and the court, um, the judge would just draw up the order extending time. This is after you, you should also bring an affidavit of service of these processes. So after seven days and the other party has not responded, which is the normal time for responding to a motion, you and um, the party has not responded after seven days the registrars will now compile all these processes move them to the judicial um, assistant and the judge they draw up an order granting the motion because it and this is going to be a motion granted in chambers you don't have to necessarily come to court to move the application it's granted in chambers and an order is drawn up and dispatched to the parties with the same way hearing notices are dispatched to parties so that everybody knows that your time has already started running you cannot wait till or wait for two months till the um, hearing of that uh, the next hearing comes up for you to now uh, say that your time starts running an order has been drawn up it's an order of court it's an enrolled order the time has been extended so you now start moving you move from there rather than wait till the end the end of um or the next hearing date for the party to move it in court when the application is one that can be granted in chambers yeah so i i that is my own view really as like i said i don't disagree with olamide on you know the dangers or that these are bad habits in practice can cause in fact i would even go a step further and say in terms of solutions that just for extension of time, let it just be ex parte or let it be an administrative process whereby you write a letter or even just orally. Once you've um, paid your default fees, just orally move that your process be deemed and everybody knows what they are doing. But as for the rules and as for me and my house, as they like to say, me and my house follow the Lord, we follow the rules. So, 
I don't know the rules they are following. <laughs> if it's following, you know, because the federal court rules, civil procedure rules 2019, I the Lagos State that's what my, that's uh, my civil procedure rules 2019, the Court of Appeal rules that's of uh, 2021 or 2021. Yeah, yes, Court of Appeal rules. So, oh yes, guys, please read the Court of Appeal rules 2021. There's a lot of interesting changes in there. Like your recent address can be more than three pages, no, five, five pages, pages sorry, five pages, and it's still supposed to be like 14 fonts. Ah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good luck to those that try to make arguments with 14 fonts with five pages the master just have told us they don't want us to file written address i don't know why they've allowed us to now file written address you people want to be stressing those old men you, know, <laughs> you want to no, because of, of appeal judges are actually like ruthless don't do nonsense don't go to cause of appeal don't if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> don't go if you do not say i'm doing i saw one time they struck out someone's motion for not having grounds and they gave them a date in nine months can you imagine being no, the person that drafted really, that motion without grounds you have to go to the office no, and say they struck really, it out the code of appeal rules even the one before now yeah the old one it states that when you're filing when, when you're filing your motion mm-hmm. it should have grounds like the rules clearly state and sometimes we don't see the rules now like you see olamde now olamde is he's not seeing the rules, the rules, not seeing the rules. <laughs> or rather olamde now wants to be a stickler for the rules Okay, so if you agree that you, you people are deviating from the rules. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. Please, you know, let us know what you think about this whole extension of time argument. And also, any funny stories you have about delay, your longest case that you're handling or that your firm is handling, you know, next time, we hope it will be a very interesting one. We'll have a guest for the first time. You'll be hearing somebody else's voice. You know, um, we'll post what that topic will be on our twitter and on our instagram in the coming days after you've had time to simmer over this one as always it's been ife and olamide from the bar all right bye guys